And now, here's your resource queen, Alex Litwack. Welcome. With me today is Dr. Michael Harris. He has, for the past 13 years, been an integrative dentist. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to be here. I am happy to have you here because I do not know any integrative dentist. You are my number one guy now. So can you define what that means? Uh, well, it's uh, it's kind of a nebulous term. Uh, you, you want, the word that we used to use uh, quite frequently and still sometimes is holistic. We're a holistic office, that sort of thing. Uh, and there are a number of terms that you can use. Uh, um, biologic is another word that we use sometimes. What does that mean? Uh, well, biologic is, uh, for the medical community, a little bit more descriptive in that uh, biologic means, okay, the things that we do for you in our office, these are going to be uh, procedures and, uh, uh, and treatments that, um, that help you as a whole human being and will not just patch up your tooth. All right, let's start there. Mm -hmm. I come into your office, you do an exam, and you decide, oh, you've got a cavity. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Uh, well, we'll take a full medical history. Okay, that's first. Uh, before we do anything else, uh, you know, we may talk to maybe your doctor. Uh, a lot of times our patients are sent over by uh, their physician. Okay, uh, this is someone who is, you know, they've got a body that's full of inflammation, and that's something that you talk about here too sometimes. All the time. Right, okay. I inflammation being the underlying cause, I believe, of most dis-ease in your body. Absolutely. Diabetes, heart disease, bad attitudes. It's all, <laughs> <laughs> it's all inflammation. <laughs> so so uh, when someone's cranky, you know they're inflamed. <laughs> absolutely. Well, so we used to talk a little bit about uh, neurological inflammation almost as a euphemism uh, for someone who, you know, is a little bit out there sometimes or, or maybe a little bit mean to you on the phone or something like this. Um, but come to find out, neurological inflammation is a real thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, so they've got, they've got a cavity. You've done a full medical history. What are you going to do for that cavity that's different from a traditional dentist? Well, uh, so there's still a little bit left there. So we do the medical history. Uh, after which we'll do a dental exam, which that is pretty standard across the board as far as dentists go. Um, if we find that cavity you've described to us, hey, there's a hole on number 30, okay. We'll take some images of that tooth. We may take a 3D scan of your whole face um, and we'll put a treatment plan together and say, hey, you know what, um, let's, uh, let's fix that tooth. And if there's metal in it, then we'll, we'll uh, divert to a, a special protocol to remove the metal because metal's not good. Metal is one of those things that will kind of increase inflammation for you. And if there's treatment that's, that's necessary, then we'll remove that metal really, really safely. Uh, there's a whole protocol for it, and we'll talk about uh, the, uh, our, our governing body, the International Academy. There are a lot of acronyms here. International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Um, we have come up with uh, a protocol to remove metal and do it safely and dispose of any mercury. Those silver fillings have mercury. So, Are dentists still putting silver fillings in people's mouths? Unfortunately, yes. You're kidding. No. Yeah. yeah it's all, all the time. It's actually still taught at uh, most dental schools in the country. See, I thought people figured out that heavy metals were neurotoxic amongst other things and that Nobody was doing that anymore. Well, how deep do you want to go down the rabbit hole here? Um, do you know about the American Dental Association? I don't know about the ADA. Okay. Well, uh, the ADA officially 
uh, will tell you that mercury is safe. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, I guess the idea is that uh, if, if we were to uh, officially say, hey, you know what, uh, <clears throat> this mercury business is no good anymore, um, then there's uh, you're, you're back taxes. You know, there'd be some, uh, they'd have to say, well, how long have we known about this? At which point there are some consequences there. So as a whole, officially, it's fine. Individually, unofficially, don't do it. <laughs> most of the time. It's astounding to me. I really thought that most dentists had shifted away from mercury, knowing how toxic it is. Well, again, uh, it's those of us who have uh, had the spare time even uh, to go down the rabbit hole and uh, and do a little bit of extra reading and say, you know what, am I really doing anything positive for you when I put metal in your mouth? Uh, the answer to that, unfortunately, is no. Um, we'd like everyone to know that, but um, I will tell you, anyone you ever see obviously wants to do the best they can for you, but there uh, there are some people who, yeah, still, still place metal. Crazy. All right. So treatment plan, mm -hmm. what do you do? Okay. So we kind of went over the, uh, if there's a metal filling, okay. Uh, we'll fill the tooth with a composite resin. This is if, uh, say you've got a metal filling, uh, then we'll remove that. It's called the SMART technique. Um, and that's not a description of us, <laughs> uh, as it were. Uh, this is the safe mercury amalgam removal technique, at which point we, uh, we do a charcoal rinse, which will bind any mercury that happens to be kind of floating freely in the oral space. Uh, we'll supplement our patients to help them. Uh, the fancy word is chelate, but this is this is a binder uh, that's going to take free mercury and, and start to release it from your tissue that has built up over time. Um, if there is someone who has got a tooth that is unfixable, you know, by traditional means, uh, the old days we'd say, well, let's do a root canal on this tooth. Um, what we found is that these root canal teeth uh, tend to harbor bacteria and low-grade chronic infection another source of inflammation. Let's back up and talk about what a root canal actually does. Okay. Because it's painful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's fun to have a root canal. I think I've had two in my life and they were not particularly enjoyable. So the goal of a traditional root canal <clears throat> is to literally stop there from being pain by do you cauterize the root or do they remove the root? Well, the root itself is solid dentin, solid tooth tissue. There is inside that root a very small tunnel, we'll call it a canal, a very small tunnel that contains pulp tissue, which is uh, nerves and blood vessels. Uh, so the root canal procedure involves, anytime there's inflammation in that very small space, it's painful. And the point of a root canal is to uh, remove the source of the pain. Unfortunately, the source of the pain is bacterial uh, infiltration of that root canal space, uh, which causes the swelling and all that jazz. And it's probably maybe a, a fraction of a millimeter. Um, so you remove the, the tissue in that space. But uh, what we found is there is no way to completely disinfect that space. So the pain may be gone, but there will still be a little bit of bacteria in that area. Why? Well, because we don't have instruments small enough. We're talking, um, let's see, the tubules in a tooth probably are fractions of microns in diameter. And a bacterium, a single organism, is a fraction of that. So it can still live in the very, very small spaces within a tooth. 
and you have no way really of testing that, can you swab where that tooth is to see if it has bacteria or it's just a given? It is, I would say, 99.9 repeating. <laughs> uh, if, if we go back to our algebra days, 99.9 repeating uh, in terms of probability that there is at least one bacterial CFU colony forming unit, one organism in that space. And uh, given a food source, and, uh, and actually you don't even need oxygen, because uh, if you think about uh, bacteria, they're aerobes and anaerobes. Anaerobes don't need oxygen. So this can be completely beneath your bone, inside the, the tissue is completely closed off. So this, this organism can multiply and grow uh, in the absence of oxygen. So it's just down there cooking. That just makes me feel awful about my teeth now. Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. They look great. <laughs> All right. So the purpose in traditional dentistry mm -hmm. is to get that person out of pain yes. and, and then they remove that tooth and they think they've removed the pulp. Mm -hmm. But then what happens to the person? Because does, does it always get covered by a crown? Oh, yes, ideally. Uh, the old way was to, within, they'd say, six weeks, you want a crown on that tooth that's had a root canal. Um, but it's all, it's all covered. It's sealed away. Um, but those bacteria, over time, will multiply, at, at which point, you know, it might be six months where a tooth flares up. It might be two years. It might be ten years. We don't really know. So are you saying that... When you have a crown and you've had a root canal that was done prior to that crown being put on, you likely 99.9% have some kind of bacteria in there, even if you feel no pain. Yes, that's quite likely. So what are you supposed to do about that? Well, we like to get to a tooth before the point where you would say, this tooth is going to need a root canal. And that's where you get into preventive care, uh, you know, going every six months. I would say uh, quarantine in 2020 was an interesting time. No one was regular. It was, okay, well, when's the last time you've been in, Susie? Uh, I think I was supposed to be in in April, but I'm six months behind now. Well, I think my appointment was in January. Um, it's been actually two years since we've seen you or anyone has seen you. And so this was, uh, th this was a time where right now we're catching up with people who uh, have not been uh, as, as regularly as they'd like right. to. So. What do you do pre to prevent people from needing a root canal? Well, um, we, have, we use digital x-rays now. There was a time where we'd have the dip tanks. You'd snap a film and uh, you stand behind the, the lead shield and you dip the film in the, uh, the, the photo developer, and you can see a cavity when it's very, very small. If you go every six months, then you can catch these before they're small. A cavity usually, before you get to the point of needing a root canal, it's been, uh, it's been uh, what's the word, developing for a little while. Uh-huh. That's, that's how you prevent it. It's, it's regular care, x-rays maybe once a year. You can see these things before they need a root canal in general. If somebody comes to you and they're, it's just too far gone, mm -hmm. Do you send them to get a root canal? Depends on the individual patient. Uh, knowing what we know about uh, root canals and their eventual progression into something that may become a problem that's more serious, uh, we don't generally recommend it. 
there are people who would say, you know what, I don't want an implant. I, I want to keep this tooth. I don't want to have it out. And it's always the patient's choice. You know, our job, my job, uh, what I really, really try hard to do is give information uh, so that someone will be able to make an educated decision about what to do with their their own tooth. I would say probably one out of one out of a uh, hundred who will say, "Hey, you know, I really knowing what I know, I still would really like to." I'm covering my ears; you can't see me, but <laughs> I still would really like to uh, have this root canal done and keep my tooth. Okay, well, let's take good notes, and if you have questions, let me know. I would say most people that come to us for help. Uh, those people would say, let's let's get it out. I had someone else uh, describe to me the root canal process, and I've read books. Generally, they'll say, you know what, I don't want a root canal. Can you, uh, can you remove this tooth for me and do it safely and disinfect it? And let's heal up and then decide our next step after that. And the options then would be either don't replace the tooth mm-hmm. or get an implant. Yes. You could also do a partial, uh, but most people at, at this juncture are opting for an implant or a bridge. Okay. Uh, something that they don't have to worry about leaving it on their lunch tray, which I've, I've done before. <laughs> uh, where is my... Yeah, where yeah. is that? Uh-huh. Um, Honey, where's my tooth? Have you, seen, have you seen my tooth? Where's my tooth? The tooth, the bottom one. I need it. <laughs> and it's a real attractive look not to have it. It's, it's about one day a year that it's good for that. Halloween. Yeah. October 31st is yes. good for that. Beyond that, we don't generally do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I believe everybody knows they're supposed to brush their teeth every Mm -hmm. day. I believe people know that flossing regularly is a good idea. Mm -hmm. What else do you want people to do? Well, we want them to take an active role in their own health care. If there's something that you know isn't right, and we see these people too, uh, if there's something that you know isn't right, this feels strange or it looks odd or there's a a funny smell, you know, just, just call me. I'll look at it for you. It'd only be about 20 minutes, you know, but, um, but there's, let's see, there's brushing, there's flossing, there is, there's general stuff. Go outside, <laughs> get some vitamin D. I mean, we all, I think, being inside, there was, I mean, if you, if you look back, uh, you know, I, I, I can be transparent and say my mental health suffered a little bit. Uh, in in 2020. Oh, I think everyone's mm-hmm. has. I mean, I think the level of anxiety and depression mm-hmm. has been really, really tragic. Well, how do you feel about mouthwash? Mouthwash is great. Um, I mean, we wanted you to use probably things that are alcohol-free uh, to keep from uh, singeing your tissue. Singeing is the wrong word. That implies fire. Um, burning, maybe. Uh, there were people that say, hey, and you know what? I was using some some peroxide, and then, then all, my, all my tissue fell off. You don't want to do that. Oh, so peroxide is interesting because mm-hmm. all the tooth whitening things that are out there mm-hmm. have peroxide in them. Yes, in general. So how do you feel about that? Well, those are fine because those aren't generally on your tissues. Those are concentrated just on your tooth surface. Do they wear your tooth down? Not generally. A lot of people do have a little bit of sensitivity, but um, I don't know who said it. There's, there's a little bit of pain and beauty. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, but it's, it's not anything that's long lasting. They'll be a little bit sensitive uh, for maybe a week or so, but, uh, but the peroxide and whitening gels is usually okay. People's tooth color mm-hmm. seems to be so varied from bright white to dark gray and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Is that totally genetics? Well, there's genetics, there's uh, habits. 
uh, red wine, which this is, I mean, that I think a, a, a really good red is nice sometimes. Smoking is another. Well, I was going to suggest after coffee. this interview is over that you and I have a <laughs> glass of wine and a cigarette, but apparently that's not a good idea. Should we not? I'll, I'll put it away. Hang on. <laughs> yes, coffee, tea. Coffee is, that's the hard one because I, I mean, is it? probably about three, three, about one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then, and then maybe one in, in the evening after dinner. Uh, but if you brush really frequently, uh, gently, of course, then, uh, then then you can kind of circumvent these things. But I learned something from my dentist that I thought, why didn't they tell me this 25 years ago? Mm-hmm. When people brush their teeth, myself included, they tend to go to the same spot. So I'm right-handed, mm-hmm. so I almost always start brushing my teeth on the opposite side, lower. And my dental hygienist finally said to me, you know... It really helps if you switch that up. So instead of always starting in the same place, start on the other side, start upper, start, you know, vary it so that you don't push your gums so hard. Why didn't they tell me that? Well, there are a lot of things, Alex, I'll be, I'll be honest, there are a lot of things that I wish we knew 20 years ago. Um, but uh, but the, the knowledge is always, and in, in 10 years, we'll be saying, well, geez, if we knew that, Dr. Gupa, my partner, and I probably collectively, we spent probably 40 years learning how to, for example, a root canal. We spent 40 years collectively learning how to do a root canal and making it look nice on an x-ray. Um, but now we know, well, you know, maybe not. I'd say you're, you're dead on there. Um, maybe use some, some circles, <laughs> <laughs> gentle circles, brush your gums, but don't push them. <laughs> but it's, it, it is interesting what was the recommended you know mm-hmm. way to brush your teeth and use a harder toothbrush and sure. et cetera et cetera mm-hmm. all right let's talk about to- let's talk about toothpaste please there's a lot of chemicals in the average toothpaste a to lot. make them maybe taste better or to make them foam or whatever mm-hmm. what kind of toothpaste do you like uh well there are maybe a handful uh there is let's see there's one that's by thieves I want to say that's the Aroma Bright. That's oil based, and uh, that one smells nice, and it's kind of got the same aroma that the uh, the oil does. And what what about people who just want to use baking soda, and brush their teeth that way? Uh, baking soda is just fine. It does tend to be a little bit more abrasive. So you're someone that has sensitive gums, and tend to notice a bit of inflammation when you've uh, finished brushing. Then, uh, then, then maybe you go with something a little, a little less abrasive because there, there is the the possibility that you, uh, you push some gum tissue away or injure it to the point where it says, you know what, I'm, I'm injured. I'm going to creep down away from your your teeth just a little bit. Now I can understand how the thieves, the essential oil, would work at keeping bacteria out of your mouth. And mm-hmm. and I do know that bacteria in your mouth can also then travel to your heart. And that that's that is a concern. Mm-hmm. So when people say, "Hey, I like using you know some big commercial toothpaste," what are the reasons against it? Uh, well, it kind of depends on your individual uh, constitution. Uh, physically, there are people that can tolerate these toothpaste very well. Um, but the two things that I notice in these, there's the the SLS that's sodium lauryl sulfate, and this is. Uh, this is what makes it nice and foamy, uh, and it feels kind of good. But there are people that the uh, that chemical does it does give them a, a bit of a reaction there, and that's again inflammation. We want to keep these things low. 
and keep your, your body as happy as possible because you have, you know, you get some chronic inflammation in your oral cavity. Well, this is something that's going to uh, lead to a cascade of events. I mean, I don't know that toothpaste has ever caused leaky gut necessarily, but this chronic inflammation does lead down that, that road to, hey, now I have some other problems because I can't get the inflammation to calm down in my, in my mouth. So, All right, here's my big question. Mm-hmm. I find dental work, not teeth cleaning, mm-hmm. but dental work to just be so painful. You know, and it's not fun. Well, that's because, uh, I don't know, maybe your dentist wasn't very funny. <laughs> you got to do something but it's, different it's now. fascinating to me. We have, a, we have a space station up there, and we can send people that way, rocket ships, whatever. We do all kinds of great things. How come dental work is so, I guess, challenging? Because, you know, you have to keep your mouth open, and you get a shot, and... It isn't really easy, in my opinion. I've found that a little bit of empathy, Alex, goes a long way. I would say maybe once a year. Once a year, I have to have something minor done. No dentures or anything, but I knocked a tooth out, for example, in uh, 20... No, this was before that. This was like 1996. Knocked out. I was maybe in sixth grade playing backyard football. I said, where's my tooth? Okay. So this has been a 20-year journey of, you know, needing an implant and all this stress. Okay, so my friend down the road, my periodontist, who I work with closely, he's a periodontist is a, a gum and bone specialist. So, so Mikey, he says to me, I'll do your implant for you. And this is a ceramic fixture, uh, no metal in it. But he doesn't, we didn't use a lot of anesthetic. So we got it done. It was fine. But I said, you know what, from, from this day forth, I'm going to make sure that everyone that who comes, you know, through my door is perfectly numb. So I have to thank him for that. So I remember what these things feel like when you're not completely numb. That I had a filling again, maybe, uh, maybe two years ago. Uh, hey, here's another time. I said, I don't, I don't really have time to be numb all day. Today. Can you just do it without anesthetic? No, here's a reminder. You need to be numb. Okay. So it's, it's, uh, it's empathy and, uh, the patient experience. Um, you know, you might watch a little TV, you might have your patient bring some music with them, get a blanket, get a neck wrap. Okay. Hey, uh, you know, most of the people that have seen us have been patients for a very long time. We do have uh, our new friends and we try to take care of them, uh, just like they have been patients for 10, 20 years. Um, but a lot of it is the experience. It doesn't have to be awful, but we're, we'll sit down and have a chat and Hey, what is it that you want to see happen with your, with your teeth? Uh, and most people just want to be healthy. And, uh, and so in doing so, it's not, hey, have a seat, let's, uh, let's do eight fillings or something, you know. It really does make a difference when mm-hmm. you look at someone and they smile mm-hmm. if they have nice teeth. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's, it's tied to self-esteem and it, it, the way that you feel about yourself in that way um, will go a, a long way. You know, we get, you know, this, it's like Christmas cards at the end of the year. Guys, I know you don't think this is a big deal, but this is huge for me. And that makes you feel good that, uh, that you're able to impact someone in that way, make their life a little bit easier, less, less to worry about as far as their appearance of things. So, so in your crystal ball, mm-hmm. do you see different things changing in the world of dentistry or that you hope will change? Uh, I do see a couple of things. Um, we're moving to a mostly digital workflow uh, in terms of the, I think everybody's had an impression at some point, be it for a retainer or a crown or a bridge or something like this. 
um, but we are uh, in the process of moving to uh, a digital workflow, uh, which is, hey, you know, instead of uh, a mouth uh, full of goo, then we can scan you and have a 3D image of what you're to look like. Uh, instead of, you know, 18 x-rays, we can take a 3D scan of your, your face and check out your airway, check out any of those, uh, those root canal teeth like we talked about. Uh, sometimes those get a little uh, out of hand before they're, before they're uh, I'd say, clinically obvious, subclinical, meaning uh, right. they, they don't hurt yet. But, hey, you know, we can, we can see this on our 3D scan. So being able to detect things earlier than we normally would, uh, you know, with the, the old person with the, uh, you've seen the Three Stooges, right? Mm-hmm. With the, uh, you don't want to wait until you have that T-shirt tied around <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the yellow pain lines. No, yeah. it's a, we'd like to catch you before then. I like that your focus is not just holistic, but on being empathetic and on being kind and gentle, Mm -hmm. because I think people go with some trepidation when they go to the dentist. So it's nice to know that there's a practice that really is going to nurture you and think about your overall health and wellness, which is great. If, Dr. Harris, someone would like to contact you, what's your website? Uh, you can find us at uh, midm.io. M-I-D-M dot I-O. That's correct. We wanted .org, but that domain was $10,000. <laughs> yeah, let's get away. And <laughs> if you are uh, looking for an integrative dentist, there is an association. Yes. Uh-huh. The International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. I-A-O-M-T dot org. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. I've loved learning about the way you all work. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. There are so many CBD stores from which to choose. CBD Jubilee sets itself apart from all the others with an excellent array of top-end hemp products and a knowledgeable staff that will work with you to get you feeling your best. Choose to take care of your body and mind in a foundational way by supplementing with CBD. Find out more great information about CBD at cbdjubilee.com. Today's show has been sponsored by CBD Jubilee, bringing you health and happiness every day. Thanks for tuning in.